Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Breakdown Podcast with your host, Pastor Brandon. Today, 2 Samuel chapter 6, and there's a lot of titles I could give today. Um, I was going to say David does the electric slide. I was going to do that one, but instead, it's going to be Uzzah be dead. <laughs> Uzzah done been in the dead, all right? We're going to learn about it all time, all today. It's it's crazy, but I'm here for the journey with you. It's going to be great. But before we do anything, if you like what we're doing here, make sure you like, share, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you leave us a five-star review on our podcast. And of course, always, let's gather together at the Facebook group, Bible Breakdown Discussion. Because the more we dig, the more we find. Remember that the overall goal of 2 Samuel is God qualifies the called. That doesn't mean that everything's going to go right all the time. Sometimes we have new lessons to learn, and that's definitely what's going to happen today. So I want to kind of bring you up to speed real quick about two things that's happened before so that you'll know what's going on today. First of all, back in the early parts of the Old Testament, the first five books of Moses, God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses at Mount Sinai. These are the uh, the covenant promises that you're supposed to live by together. And then... He gave a lot of instructions on how to worship him. One of the things that he did was he had as a visible representation of him who is invisible to them. He's in the spirit world is they created an ark called the Ark of the Covenant. Now, don't think Noah's Ark like a boat. It's a big rectangular like box thing. It had uh, golden angels on top of it and all, it was beautiful. And it was just meant to be a visible representation of God so that when they worship God, they imagined as though God would sit on top of the ark. They called the top of the of the ark the mercy seat. And there was this is this mental image of God resting on his throne on the ark, and that's where God would reside. So the ark itself was not, you know, it was not God. It was a representation of God. And inside the ark, because it was a box, inside they had uh, manna from the wilderness. They had Aaron's rod that had um that had blossomed, and then they had the Ten Commandments. And so it was just wonderful relics of the things that God had done. It was the most sacred object in Jewish worship. Well, one of the things was, as they said, God said, I want you to treat this as though it was literally my throne. So I don't want you to touch it like it's holy. So I want you to get these poles and put it through there. And then when you carry this from place to place, because remember, in the first five books of Moses, they were a nomadic tribe slowly getting to the promised land. They had to get up and carry it from time to time. So they put it on their shoulders and they'd carry it to the next place. You weren't supposed to touch it. It was holy. Well, that's the first thing you got to remember. Second thing you got to remember is, is that in 1 Samuel, what they would do is, is they would use the ark as a representation of God. And so sometimes they would take the ark with them into battle. And that was their way of saying, God is leading the charge. Well, as they were doing this in 1 Samuel, they got beat up by the Philistines because they weren't following God anymore. And God was like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not leading the way. And so the Philistines actually captured the ark. Well, because it was holy and they weren't, they started getting going under massive um, problems. Tumors were were uh, were happening. Uh, the their their idols were being destroyed. I mean, it was just it was horrible. And so they finally put the ark 
on a cart. They didn't know what else to do. They didn't know the Torah. They didn't know the, the, the covenant. They put it on a cart, put some gold around it, and sent it back to Israel. It's like, hey, we do not want anything to do with your God. He is way more powerful than us. Well, that was fine because they did that in their ignorance. They didn't know what to do. Well, now, fast forward 30, 40 years, David wants to bring the ark to Jerusalem. He wants that this major piece of of, of uh, worship, like they, they don't worship the ark, they worship the God of the ark, but since it's a symbol of what they worship, who they worship, he wants to bring the ark to Jerusalem. But he kind of has his own idea. He starts to follow what the paganistic people did rather than God's, what God's word did and watch what happens. I know that's a big buildup, but it's important to see what's about to happen. So let's get ready. Second Samuel chapter six, verse one. Poor Uzzah is all I got to say. Then David again gathered all the elite troops in Israel, about 30,000 in all. He then led them to Baal of Judah and to bring back the ark of God, which bears the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, who is enthroned between the cherubim. Remember, they, they thought that between, on top of the cherubim was, was two angels with their wings spread over, and it made like, kind of like a seat, and they thought of that as the throne of God. Verse 3, they placed the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from Abinadab's house, which was on a hill. Now remember, they weren't supposed to do that, but they put it on a cart. Uzzah and Ilio, Abinadab's sons, were guiding the ark that carried, the car that carried the ark of God. Elo walked in front of the ark. David and all the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord, singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nakon, the oxen stumbled, and Uzzah reached out his hand to steady the ark of God. Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him dead because of this. So Uzzah died right there beside the ark of God. Uzzah done got electrocuted, <laughs> or whatever happened, he's in the dead. He reached out and touched the ark, and boom, he's gone. David was angry because the Lord's anger had burst out against Uzzah. He named that place Perez Uzzah, which means to burst out against Uzzah, as it is still called today. Now David was afraid of the Lord, and he asked, How can I ever bring the ark of the Lord back into my care? So David decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom of Gath. The ark of the Lord remained at Obed-Edom's house for three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his entire household. You know, oh, Obed-Edom at first was like, uh-uh, no, brother. <laughs> Take that thing anywhere else. You done heard what it did to the Philistines? Now it done killed a fool? Can it not come to my house? <laughs> I wonder if David's like, uh, king? Okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> but then it turned out to be great, because wherever the presence of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is blessing, and the Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of the Lord. And so, because the Ark was there, all of Obed-Edom's house was blessed. And we're going to find Obed-Edom a little bit later. We're going to, when we find him, we'll, we'll mention what, what ends up happening to Obed. It's a good thing, trust me. Verse 12, Then King David was told, The Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's household and everything he has because of the Ark of God. So David went there and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with a great celebration. In other words, he was saying, uh-uh now, <laughs> you are not going to get my blessing. Let me go get that thing. But as we can tell from what happened, he learned how to get the ark. 
He didn't just go grab it, but instead he went back, obviously, and read what he needed to do because he does it properly this time. Verse 13. After the men who were carrying the ark, so now he's doing it right, carrying the ark of the Lord, had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing his priestly garments. And so David and all the people brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and blowing the ram's horns. So instead, now they know what to do. They've got it on those poles. And get this, every six steps, one, two, three, four, five, six. They would stop and have a party. Woo, praise the Lord. The Lord is with us. The Lord is good. One, two, three, four, five, six. Woo, praise the Lord. The Lord is good. Let's dance a while. One, that's a long party. <laughs> but they did. And the, and the Bible says David did the electric slide. <laughs> we don't know what kind of dance he did, but let's just assume David could cut a rug because it said he danced before the Lord with all his might. We're about to find out how much he danced and what happened as a result. But he was so excited. That's one of the things I love about David. His love for God is so sincere and so innocent. He knows exactly where all of these blessings have come from. And he is not ashamed to let everybody know. Verse 16. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked down at from her window. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in the place inside the special tent David had prepared for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. When he had finished his sacrifices, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. And then he gave every Israelite, man and woman, in the crowd a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. Then all the people returned to their homes. When David returned home, he blessed his own family. Michal, and the daughter of Saul, who was the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said in disgust, How distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like a vulgar person might do. David retorted to Michal, I was dancing before the Lord, who chose me above your father and all his family. That's called snapping back right there. He appointed me as a leader of Israel and the people of the Lord, so I celebrate before the Lord. And you just see his neck just twisting all around. Yes, I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I am distinguished. So Michal, the daughter of Saul, remained childless throughout the rest of her entire life. So what just happened? The Bible said David was so excited that he started dancing. And as he started dancing, his royal robes became disheveled. Just like, just like now. Have you ever seen you know, any of the royal family look not perfect you know, when they're in public? They always do because they represent the kingdom. But David said, oh, no, no, no. You know what the kingdom ought to be doing? The kingdom ought to be acting like fools. Because we are so blessed by God. So I'm going to go first. And he just starts celebrating. He's doing the electric slide. He's doing the Macarena. He's doing the twist and shout. He's doing all the dances. And I don't know any modern dances, so that's what it is. He's having fun. But Michal, his wife, she doesn't get it. She wasn't there, remember? She didn't have to go to any of those caves that David had to go to. She didn't have to go to another country when he didn't want to. She didn't have to go and hide somewhere. She didn't have to fight all those battles. She's been in luxury this whole time. She has no idea what it costs for David to be back at that kingdom. And so that's why she doesn't understand. But what's amazing is David, even when something bad happened, he never stopped giving glory to the Lord. 
Because when you know where you've been, you can't help it. So what can we take away from this today? First of all, we can take away from it that if for some reason you ever happen upon the ark of God, don't touch it. Because <laughs> you're dead, and if you do, you're like Uzzah, are going to die. All right? Here's the second thing. I don't know about you. I love going to church. I love worship. I love digging into God's Word. But there are times when, when I'm in church, when I get slightly criticized, because when I'm on the front row at church, man, I, I'm not really dancing, but I, I jump up and down. I, I pace. I do all this kind of stuff. And I do that, and people are like, Brandon, why are you doing that? Why are you putting on a show? And I try to tell them, I am not putting on a show. But if you only knew who I was, if you only knew the things I've been through, I got 99 problems, but Jesus ain't one, then you would know that I would be embarrassed not to get excited what the Lord has done in my life. That's why sometimes when I see people in our local congregation, I hear them, you know, whoop, you know, and, and shout and get excited. And I see them over there and they're kind of dancing a little bit. Why I don't get mad at people like that? Because for some of them, I know their story. I know how they almost died. I know how their family turned against them. I know what they had to get delivered from. And the fact that they're still standing here right now, it would be wrong for them not to worship the Lord. So I want to encourage you today. Before the end of the day today, I want you to think about the goodness of God. Think about what the Lord has brought you through. Now, that doesn't mean your life is perfect. We got 99 problems. It's just that Jesus ain't one. And that God is using everything to qualify the called. God's word says, all things work to the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And take a moment and just celebrate the Lord. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. What matters is that it's sincere and that it's pointed to the Lord. Do that and watch what God will do in your life. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you that you are for us more than we can imagine. Lord, you are with us. And that, Lord, if we just take a moment to realize what you've done in our life, that praise that we give you is valuable because it comes from our heart. And it's a reminder and a celebration of your faithfulness. Thank you for loving us the way you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, don't forget the promise that David gave, or God gave David in 2 Samuel chapter 7 when he said, Your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. That's what God wants to do in our lives. He doesn't just want to qualify the call for now. He wants an eternal relationship with us that lasts forever. He is qualifying the called, and he has called you to do great things in this generation for his glory. I love you. I'll see you tomorrow for 2 Samuel chapter 7.